0: Dan Deckard is your pastor, you know can anything good come out of nazareth no i 'm just kidding okay <laughs> i 'm kidding. He thought the same thing about me when he found out I was a dean i 'm sure so but uh, it is a joy to be with you, and thank you for receiving me and uh, your love in the Lord is evident. Um, I had a wonderful time of encouragement with the saints in the first service, and I trust that we 'll also have a, t- a blessed time together. Um, We do have the privilege of having Dennis O. with us at the Cornerstone Seminary. We also have a Bible college uh, that we started this last year uh, where we offer a pre-seminary biblical counseling and women's ministries tracks a bachelor's in biblical studies. And so uh, if any of you are interested in that, I would encourage you to talk to me after church or you can go to TCBS.org and you can uh, learn about the ministry there. It's only 20 minutes away from you. It's a great place to be able to be trained with a Christocentric focus in the Word of God and Christian ministry, and and would just um, encourage you to, uh, those of you who are retired, to seriously think about this, and uh, we offer our classes in the evening for the Bible College on purpose. We want to be able to, to reach out to second career students, to working adults, as well as to any college students that might be working, um, work, college A students working during the day, but but particularly, we would love to see the Lord add to our number uh, some of the second career saints or retired saints. Um, we'd love to find them on campus. We have a good group already. And uh, and it brings enrichment to, to the classroom and the lives of our young men and younger women. But also, um, it's a great reminder that life is not about collecting seashells. Okay, And uh, God really wants to use you in His church and for His glory. Um, with all... With the smallness of the world now, it's amazing how God can use trained men and women around the world. And so I just want to encourage you with that. Um, At the Cornerstone Seminary, we're very much about exalting Christ in missions through the training of church leaders and shepherds. And uh, it's a mission's work, okay? Um, Training the saints is a mission's work. We're here to honor Christ in the preaching of the gospel to the nations, right? And that's why we're here today. Um, He meets with us. He equips us by his spirit to send us out, whether it's locally or globally. And so so this morning, I just want to encourage your hearts to to think on that. Um, Go to TCBS.org and uh, pray about it. You can see me after church, and we'd love to be an encouragement to you that way. Well, this morning, I do want to encourage your hearts from the word as well. And, And it's particularly in this realm of exalting Christ in missions, okay, in missions, through, the, through whatever we do, having a mindset that we're about glorifying and exalting Him. And so I want to take you to a, to a text in Colossians, but first I want to pray for our time together, okay? Let's give thanks to the Lord. Father, we praise You that we can be together this morning. We thank You for the fellowship that is ours in You. We thank You for the power of Your Spirit who works in us, and we would ask You to teach us, Lord, and to strengthen our hearts to receive Your Word this morning. Lord, we want to be about your business. We want to be about magnifying you. We want to be about bringing you glory and honoring you in our own hearts personally. But we also want to be about being used of you locally and globally. Lord, wherever you would have us, may we would like for you to be the one who is set before people such that they would have to make a decision of is this the Christ or not? And that we would be your instruments for the transformation of hearts, Lord. We want to be used of you. We want you to magnify yourself, not only in your church, but in the world. Because you are worthy. Just like we sang today, you are worthy. And so we would ask you, Lord, to work in our hearts and our minds this morning. We would ask you to conform us to the image of your glorious Son. We would ask you to make us individuals who would... Pray evangelistically and live evangelistically for your glory. And so we give our time to you now. Meet with us, we ask in your son's name. Amen. I want you to go to Colossians chapter 4. And I can recall that there was a time in in my life when I was serving the Lord in Honduras. We had um, 10 years of service there. And, and I can remember being involved in receiving missions teams that would come down. And as these teams came down to Honduras, it was always a great encouragement. It was always a great blessing because the saints were, were always just so loving. And then we got a chance to see the insight of what God was doing in that local church. And I can recall sometimes there would be saints who would come and they would, they would make statements like, I'm so glad to be here and to be able to preach the gospel to all these people. Or they would make statements like, I'm so glad that the Lord is choosing to use me because I don't feel like I'm used as much at home. And other times, saints would say something like, I'm so glad to be here. This is the first time I've gotten to share the gospel in my life. And I can remember thinking to myself, you know, if you're not sharing the gospel at home, then why are you going to go 6,000 miles to share the gospel in another country? And I think that's really the message that resonates with us this morning from God's Word in Colossians 4.2. It's this concept that delighting in Christ is the heart of missions. Delighting in Christ is the heart of missions. It's this idea that, that when we're right with Him, we will be an evangelistic people. No question. No question. When we're delighting in Him, we will be an evangelistic people. And so when a person is not sharing the gospel, when a person is not involved in evangelistic local activity, there's a problem. And it's a heart problem. And it's a heart problem with Christ, primarily. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to look at Colossians 4, 2 through 6, where we find this exact thing, that delighting in Christ is the heart of missions. Look at verse 2 with me. We read, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And so the first thing that we note is that is that when a person's delighting in Christ, they will pray evangelistically. They will pray evangelistically. And for two, you have this idea of continue earnestly in prayer it's this picture of of a man who is who is in a track race and as he's running the race he's coming to the ribbon and what does he do when he gets to the ribbon he leans back as far as he can no we've all seen the olympics right you lean forward you throw your chest out eric liddell right Okay, you lean forward, you throw your chest out, and you're going to break the tape. You want to be the first one. You're exerting. You're super exerting yourself to be the first one to cross the line. That's the picture here. That as a believer, you are one who continues earnestly in prayer. This is just what you do. You're devoted to it. You stick your neck out in it. You super exert in it. Being vigilant with thanksgiving. Being vigilant with thanksgiving. It's, it's this idea that, that as you're in prayer, you're alert and, you're, and you're, not, you're not sullen. You're not falling asleep. You're not being distracted. It's a picture of an earnestness in prayer. And you're doing this in the spirit of thanksgiving. And the question is, thanksgiving for what? Thanksgiving for What? Well, that's what God tells us in chapter 3, verse 1. He says this, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. And so here what we find is this if is not, is not a question of whether this has occurred to you or not. It actually supposes it. It's the idea of since. Since then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated. Seek those things that are consistent with your union in Christ. Because this new power is at work in you, then you have an obligation. And the obligation is that you would impact your community. It begins by evangelistic praying and evangelistic living. You see, in chapter 3, verse 1, it's tied to the rest of the chapter. And so you find that when Christ has burst into your life by his power, you will live a personally pure life. That's what he tells us. In the first uh, 11 verses. And then in verses 12 to, to 17, when Christ has burst into the life of a person and transformed them, they will be loving people in the church. And when Christ has burst into a person's life and transformed them, they will have godly homes. And when Christ has burst into a life and transformed them, they will impact their community. There's no part of life that goes untouched. No part of life that's untouched by the working of Christ in your life. So what does this Thanksgiving then? So what is this Thanksgiving? Is it a Thanksgiving for the things that we have, for the treasures that are going to be in heaven? Is it a Thanksgiving for my house, my car, my spouse? What is this Thanksgiving Thanksgiving is related to the true spiritual union that is yours in Christ. In fact, that spiritual union is defined further in verse 9 of chapter 2. In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete, or you have been made complete in Him who is the head over all principality and power. And so the All-Sufficient One who became man is the one who has completed you. The completion is a perfect completion. The completion deals with verse 11. You were in him, you were circumcised. It deals with verse 12. You were buried with him in baptism. You were raised with him through faith. You were dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh. He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. All your trespasses. And when you experience that kind of forgiveness, then you are a thankful person, right? When you experience the liberation that comes with the complete removal of guilt because another one died for me, that is what motivates a thankful heart. That makes me thankful. And that's consistent with the whole section here in chapter 3. We're told that we're supposed to be thankful in verse 15. And in verse 16, we're told that That whatever you do in word, you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It's all about Him and what He's done for you. That should make you thankful. And that thankfulness should impact the way that you live your life in the community. The thankfulness of what God has done to you ought to be on your mind such that you're constantly praying evangelistically. Constantly praying that He will do the same thing to others that He has done to you. That He would do the same thing to others that He's done to you. Particularly that He would do it to others, that He would transform others through, through the, the energetic endurance of your praying for your pastors, and for your leaders. Look at verse 2. He says in verse 3, Meanwhile, praying also for us, your missionaries, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains. So you pray for your missionaries. And when you pray for your missionaries, you ask God for opportunities for them. Ask God for opportunities for them. And in particular, what you want to be asking God to give them when they do get the opportunity is that they would be able to speak the mystery of Christ. That they would be able to communicate clearly the gospel. That they would be able to communicate clearly the glories of what Christ does when He bursts into the life of a person, transforms them, makes them new, gives them His power—the same resurrection power that raised Him from the dead—and it and it makes them alive. It's this mystery of Christ. It's it's the Colossians one chapter two of um, chapter one verse um, twenty where we're told that, that the desire of the Lord is that these would understand in verse 27 that God willed to make them to them known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Pray evangelistically. Pray for opportunities for your missionaries. Pray for opportunities for your pastors. And when you're praying for them, you pray for them to speak the mystery of Christ clearly. Look at verse 4. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. The two terms here are two different terms, actually. One is a term for the words that you articulate. The other is a term for what goes on in your mind. What are you thinking so here, God, the prayer is that God would give the thoughts and that God would give the ability to articulate those thoughts. It's a completely spiritually dependent activity to be sharing and preaching the gospel. And so do you pray about it? Do you pray about it? Are you an evangelistic prayer warrior? for your missionaries and for your pastors? Are you praying for them to be more spiritually dependent in the proclamation of truth? And the goal here is not that you have a lot of conversions. Notice. It's not a praying so that many people are changed and we can see what a great preacher he is. This is about getting the message right. Oh, Lord, just help them to get the message Right. Oh, Lord, pray for, I pray for Pastor Dan that, that, that if anything, he'll just get the message right. You see, the Word of God is a word that produces fruit according to its own kind. It's an innately powerful word. And so we're told in Colossians 1, innately powerful. And so if you get the message right, God can do His work. Don't worry about the results. Missionaries and pastors need you to pray for them. Just yesterday, I was in the home of a dear couple, 75 years old. And I've known them for about six months now. They were coming to my Spanish Bible study in Vallejo because I do a Spanish Bible study through our local church. And And the first time I met was the wife. She came to the Bible study. Husband wouldn't come. And the wife was was thrilled at all that she was learning. I've been preaching through Colossians in our Bible study. She was thrilled at all that she's been learning. And so one day she asked me if um, I could take her home because her husband wasn't going to come to pick her up. So I took her home gladly because I wanted to meet her husband. And we got there and she said, can you... Would you like to come in for coffee? And I said, I would love to come in for coffee. And her husband, we started to get off the car, and he saw that we were there, and he came out, and he met us at the sidewalk. And I was getting her walker out, and I put up her walker for her, and she started to get her walker. And she said, he's going to come in for coffee. And he said, no, no, that's okay. That's okay. We don't don't need coffee today, you know. (laughs) Okay, you know. 6 months ago and over the days God worked through the prayer of the saints our bible study was praying for this and asking him and over the over the over the weeks God softened this man's heart to where finally one day I was in his house and and they had had a falling out and all of a sudden he was looking to me and saying, "Well, what do we need to do?" And I said, "Well, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to repent." You need to confess Christ. You need to submit to him. You need to give him your life. Because he died for sinners just like you. And his wife was sitting there, and he was sitting there, and he says, well, what do I do? I said, you pray. He goes, right now? I said, right now. He says, well, okay. Okay. He bows his head and he prays and he weeps and he weeps and he weeps. And he opens his eyes and his wife is weeping and he's weeping because she had already professed Christ and he's weeping and he looks at her and he says, Honey, will you forgive me for my sin against you? And not just this one, but all my sins against you. For all of our marriage, will you forgive me? 75 years old. Spanish only. Can't read a Bible. And yesterday, I'm sitting in his house, and I showed his wife how to use the talking Bible over the internet on their, on their little tablet device, and John 1-1, in el principio, Dios. She looked at me, and she goes, high five, <laughs> Okay. The prayers of the saints, right? The prayers of the saints. You don't need to worry about the results. Just get the message right. okay? Evangelistic praying, and we do this because of our delight in Christ. He is worthy. He is worthy. But you see, when you're doing this and you're praying for your pastors, what happens is it becomes also kind of part and parcel of who you are as a person. You're thinking about these things for yourself as well. And that's what our Lord Jesus does here is he turns the finger to you now. And he says, yeah, you pray for your missionaries. You pray for your pastors. But oh, don't forget, this is also about you. Look at verse 5. When you're delighting in Christ, you will live evangelistically. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside. Live such a lifestyle that you are fully conscious of those who are outside. This is speaking of unbelievers in general. You live such a life that you're conscious of those outside. And so what that means then is that you live in wisdom in wisdom that you are the kind of a person who knows how to study the word of God for and resolve problems of life and live according to that word in such a way that the people around you go that guy's different. She's different. My college friend, she's different. My high school friend, she's different. You, Christian, need to be one who engages the world around you in wisdom. You need to be one who's mastered the Word of God so that you can paginate it with a life that expresses that Word of God and you have answers for your generation. You have answers for your generation. You're not about waffling truth. God's given it to you. It's absolute. It's firm. It's fixed. It's transcendent. Devote yourself to the Word so that you can live the wisdom, the wise life toward those who are outside. God supposes. God supposes, He assumes that you are going to be involved in the community around you. He doesn't ask you to float around in Christian groups. He doesn't ask you to float around in your own little Christian circle. He doesn't ask you to float around in your own Christian clique. That for dinner, we have the Christians over. For school, we, have, we study with the Christians. For, for our sports activities, we're always in a Christian group. And this is how we live our lives. God supposes that you're going to have sporadic times in your life where you're going to engage the unbelievers around you. Toward the outsiders. In fact, he even piggybacks on this when he says, Let your speech always be seasoned with grace, or let your speech always be with grace, or in other words, gracious speech and seasoned with salt. So you know how to say it and you know how to rescue the conversation from the gutter. It's seasoned with salt. And so God assumes that you will be involved in the lives of the community around you, the unbelievers. And we've grown up, or we've started to create a culture of Christianity that's afraid of the world. And we all got to flock together. And if we go outside that little circle, well, you know, I I might become worldly too. Well, do you know the power of regeneration? Do you know the power of regeneration? Regeneration. The resurrection power of Christ is not limited in its sanctifying work in your life. So get out there and minister. Get out there and penetrate. Do something for the Lord. In the lives of those around you who don't know it. Yeah, we need to be about encouraging the saints and loving the saints, but never to the exclusion of reaching the lost. You see this term here? Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. It's a purchasing term. A purchasing term. Picture that you have been awarded a shopping spree, to your favorite store. Macy's, Nordstrom's, Neiman Marcus. Just take a basket, go through the store, it's all yours, put it in there because somebody else has paid for it, and just take it. Walk. Leave. Just leave. Now many of us would go, wow, that would be great, you know, I would love that. i go to my favorite golf shop, my favorite soccer shop, my favorite, go to Safeway, go to Costco, right? We love it. And yet the very same opportunity is true of the gospel, and we don't do it. We don't do it. We don't make the most of the opportunities, We're oblivious to the opportunities because we're not looking for them. And we think there's nobody to share with. There's nobody to tell. God hasn't put anybody in my in my path. Did you go to Starbucks this morning? That's, a, that's somebody in your path. Did you talk to the gas attendant this morning? That's somebody in your path. Did you go grocery shopping this week? That's somebody in your path. How alert and attentive are you to God putting people in your path, in your community? You see, as believers, we need to be about evangelistic praying. And we need to be about evangelistic living. When we're praying evangelistically, when we're meditating on how God should work through our missionaries and through our pastors, it forces us to look inward and begin to ask ourselves, how am I doing in this? Am I delighting in Christ in such a way that He is the warp and the woof of my life as I'm leading it? Or am I putting Him on the shelf and I bring him off the shelf when I go to church. I put them on the shelf, and then I bring them off the shelf when I go to Bible study. I put them on the shelf, and I leave them on the shelf when I go to my secular school. I put them on the shelf, and I leave them on the shelf when I go. You see, we tend to categorize our lives in such a way that Christ is only put on display to those who already know him. He wants to be put on display, even to those who don't. And he will use you for this end, if you allow him. You see, if this is not characteristic of your life, this is just what he does in the transformation work. This is just called regeneration, the power of the resurrection in the believer's life. This is just what happens. And if this is not true of you, then you might have a heart problem. If, if you're not desirous of praying for salvation through, of others through your missionaries and your pastors, and if you're not concerned to be used of God in your own community, then you have a heart problem. Christ is not yet precious to you. You don't yet understand what He's done to you in forgiving you, in justifying you, in removing all of your guilt of sin. Because when you do, He breeds compassion for others and a movement for others on their behalf to tell them of His glories. See what happens in the Christian life. We, we come to know Christ. You remember when you came to know Christ? Do you remember when you came to know Christ? Okay. Amen. I, do. I remember when I came to know Christ. Okay. And when I came to know Christ, if, if we had similar experiences, I couldn't stop talking about him. I couldn't stop telling my friends about him. I couldn't stop expressing to my mom and to my dad about him. I couldn't stop talking to my family members, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles about him. And eventually, as, as a Christian, one gets into a rut of, oh, you mean I need to study doctrine, too. Like, I need to know my Bible. I can't just go out and tell people about Christ. I need to know my Bible, right? And then we start to really study the Bible. And we found out, whoa, look at that. God is sovereign in election. Huh. I don't need to do anything. God's sovereign. Look at that verse right there. What have I been doing the whole time? So we, we lean back, we stop evangelizing. Pretty soon, Christian life becomes about Christians, communion, fellowship. We become inbred, and we lose sight of the rest of the world. It's happened to me in my life. There have been points where that's happened. I'm sure it's happened to you in your life. The joy is that Christ doesn't stop with us at that point. The joy is that Christ doesn't give up on us at that point. All the more he makes his power evident, brings about repentance, teaches our heart through it if we're sensitive to him, And changes us so we can repent from that sin of not preaching Him and not delighting in Him and not being motivated by Him. And we can can confess it and He'll forgive us and we find find anew the strength to bear up and we move forward. Isn't that a glorious thing? What a loving Lord. What a shepherd He is to us, isn't He? That he That He would take us and we've done nothing to earn it, and then save us, and then put His Spirit in us, indwell us, the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory, empower us, use us, and when we grow discontent with Him, love us, nourish us, heal us. Make us useful again. It's what we've seen in Scripture throughout, right? Remember Peter? Peter? John chapter 21. When Peter denied Christ three times, Christ comes back to him. The resurrected Christ comes to him. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you... Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. You know all things, right? You know all things. You know I love you. You see, the great problem with Peter's failure was his love for Christ. He couldn't be a servant if he didn't love Christ supremely. He couldn't be commissioned back to ministry if he didn't love Christ supremely. But Christ shepherded him. Christ brought him out of it. And Christ fitted him anew. He'll do the same for you. He's a loving shepherd. He's a loving shepherd so, do you pray evangelistically? Do you live evangelistically? Are you delighting in Christ? And is He the heart of your missions activity? You see, it would be a delight to come back to visit Parkway again and to see this service full. It would be a delight to see that that Christ is working through His people in Fairfield Parkway Community Church. That His people have borne up with new strength in His wings for the work of the ministry. Amen? Let's pray, okay? Father, we give thanks to You for the wonderful opportunity that has been ours to fellowship with you and just to be reminded of how our relationship to you is is so intricately tied to missions and how our missions activity Lord is a thermometer of how we're doing spiritually and we forget that and so I would ask for you to remind each heart today to be burdened for the community around them and to be delighting in you as a result that they would see that they would want to impact lives, their neighbors, their friends, their family, that, that we would not forget sight of what you've done for us and how you've changed us. And so, God, may we always be ready to give an account. We look forward to the opportunities that you're going to grant us in your wisdom. And we pray that we, too, would have the right response, that we would know how we ought to speak that you would work on our minds and on our words, Lord, so that exactly what we say is pleasing to you and appropriate for the salvation of souls. In your son's name we pray. Amen.